0: So watch on the silver screen, I got you choice,
1: what would it be? I don't know, <laughs> welcome to wait. Oh Earth. Jesus, <laughs> that was oh, the most man. pathetic attempt, well, <laughs> I know.
2: That is the worst opening I've ever
1: heard. <laughs> <laughs> I am not editing it out. Welcome to week oh, three wow. of of Halloween Spooktober, Potmosis Film.
2: <laughs> this oh,
1: is, oh, man! It, it, this, um, is,
2: this is weird. Is there a leave meeting button here somewhere <laughs> is, that I can turn on?
1: I know the we, leave meeting. That um, was, that was at a five years of podcasting, that was the worst attempt so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty that was pretty bad i appreciate the
2: effort though but yeah i was going yeah, for no, it go ahead, go
1: ahead. I, I i i honestly was like how do i start this and it just went with it and i was like oh no like halfway through it but anyway uh this is tyler your host today yes i know i'm finally hosting because we kept forgetting that i hadn't been hosting for a while but paul you've been doing fantastic i'm gonna do a little bit of a shout out to you um and oh thank you i appreciate it of course I, and so this is thank tyler. You so much That is Paul. Josiah is not with us today, unfortunately. Family stuff, all the stuff. He'll be back on the next episode. We're going to miss him very dearly. However, in replacement of Josiah today, we have an amazing guest today, Paul. Yes,
2: yes, we do. We do. Matt Jackson.
1: Hey. Hey! Matt Jackson, the director of the film we're talking about today. Uh wow, I sounded really radio-y there for some reason. Okay, what's <laughs> happening? Alrighty, gotta get got I know,
2: we're very we sounded very radio-y today. I know. Hey, how's years? it going
1: today? We're gonna Hey guys, what's
2: the weather out in your area? Yeah. Whoa. We just needed like a record strike or something like that. I know.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Jackson was just a man until one day he, he woke up to be a director. No, I'm done. Whoa. Uh, okay. Hey Matt, how you doing?
3: Good, 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 good. You know? Hanging out, burning to death—it's awesome.
1: I I hear I hear that. I cannot wait for to just winter just to just hit as hard with that cold front yeah. that I hope is really actually going to happen. But um today we're talking about your film, uh, a film. I, I I do I have to say it just straight up. I loved it. I I love B horror. Wow. I love indie horror. I love all of this of the stuff. It just it works for me. And I'm going to throw some um, some other films that I love. A- in this genre, but let, I'm going to do the Josiah job today. We are talking about Love in the Time of Monsters from 2014. It is a, a one hour and 37 minutes. It was released on March 8th, 2014. It's a comedy horror. It stars, uh, Gina Shaw, Marissa Schell, Danny Vasquez, Vasquez, Doug Jones, Kane Hoder, Michael McShane. Hotter. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Kane Hodder. Kane <laughs> Man, and, he, and he's a legend, and he's a le- and he's a legend. That's like that's like really sad, especially for how much yeah. I love this kind of horror, and I've seen so many of his films. I've never knew that. I always thought it was Hoder. That's crazy. It's one of <laughs> those
3: things. Like uh, as a fan, I'm always like I read comics a lot, so I'm always yeah. like mispronouncing names. You hear it right, and you're like, oh, okay. And besides, if you know Kane, you're like, I just
2: want to get his name right.
1: Absolutely. I <laughs>
2: particularly like Doctor Strange. I think he's a great,
1: he's <laughs> great comic. I, I'll, I, would, um, you know, I, I would also like, like, you know, for him, especially like after the Game of Thrones, definitely you like want to tell people, no, I don't hold the door. Um, and so anyways, <laughs> um, so, uh, Kane, Kane Hodder and. Hey, good job. There you go. There you go. Michael McShane. I'm keeping all the sense. Screw it. Uh, Michael McShane, who, you know, honestly, every time I see that guy, I'm always like, Richie Rich. And, uh, Sean Weatherly. <laughs> And Hugo Armstrong, thank you so much, Matt. I have always the the initial question you probably get in every single interview with this film. What was it like working on this film with this cast? It was it. I mean, listen, it was
3: ridiculous. You want to talk about like working with those guys? Like that entire cast was amazing. I loved every single one of them. They all came to play. They all like brought their A game, and getting. The first domino to fall to like really get the great cast together was uh, Doug Jones, who was a good friend of our uh, casting director. And uh, yeah, we were like, hey, Doug, we want to put you in a horror movie. And he was like, ah, let me guess. I'm the creepy guy in the woods. And I come out and we're like, no, you're going to play a doctor dressed as Abraham Lincoln. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Like, he was <laughs> super game. He's like, I don't have to put on some goofy mask and scare kids like into it. So once he was in, then we reached out to Kane Hodder just as like a – we knew somebody who knew him. Oh, we we almost used the uh, makeup guy, the effects uh, makeup effects guy from uh, Hatchet. Oh, so yeah. he knew Kane, and we were able to like finagle that connection. And then got Kane on board, had him read the script. We're like, yeah, hey, we want you playing this dopey guy who turns into a monster. And he's like, oh, I got to do comedy? I'm in.
1: That makes me so happy to hear because I'm a very big fan of his, even though I don't know his name sometimes. I do absolutely (laughs) love his work. And so that makes me so happy just to hear that. Uh, yeah, I definitely will touch up on the rest of the cast because I I will say this. The the cast is absolutely phenomenal. And I want to give out mad props to Gina Shaw. She's phenomenal in this film. Oh my
3: God. I love her so much. I like. I'm, I'm biased because I cast her, but like, I love her so much. She like has such great poise and she nails every delivery and she like got it and dove in. You know, she's in, uh, she does a cameo in, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Oh,
0: nice.
3: Yeah. And, uh, I watched, I haven't watched Cobra Kai yet, but I watched her episode and it was great. And I'm like, <laughs> why aren't you a bigger star? Cause she is so cool.
1: She is fantastic i would love yeah i think she should be way bigger one thing i want to ask about this because this is a this is a a very very indie horror comedy and i think you do a really great job honestly of definitely hitting some tropes and hitting them hard and my favorite thing though watching this not only was it seeing doug jones who i love one thing i love about this is just the on the nose lines that are that are said mostly actually by Danny Vodka's character. So, when you kind of <laughs> especially when this there's when humor is such a big part of this, how do you stay on the nose but also how do you stay grounded in this world even though there is both comedy and horror in it? Uh, you
3: know, uh it's one of those things uh, I watched a bunch of uh horror comedies prior to to being in the chair and and there's two types of horror comedies. There's the horror comedies that, um, will make fun of the horror or just kind of bad. And they kind of pile on the bad, like those, um, like those teen ape movies. I, I understand like the, I understand that people love the trash cinema stuff, but I, I don't mm. get it. Cause it's just, it's bad on top of bad. And it's, it's goofy in a way that doesn't appeal to me at all. And, um, uh, But I think there's a way to do it. And so my approach was always that everybody has to be sincere. You can say dumb shit. You can be being chased by rabid ducks or, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know, whatever it is, like being a, being attacked by or pulling out a, a grenade out of your bra strap or whatever. <laughs> like those moments are ridiculous. But as long as you're playing them straight, like. It will add a level of humor because if you just if you're making jokes while you're making jokes, then nothing lands because it's all sugar. You gotta like add a little bit of add a little bit of bitterness to it to to hold it all together.
2: Yeah, yeah you gotta care about the characters and you know yeah, make exactly. sure that they resonate with the audience and yeah. you know, like you could be really fancy with the camera and you know, but if you don't connect with the characters, there's not really a point there, you know, because people yeah. are not. Enjoying the story, you know? Yeah. And so... Well, you know, uh, years ago, like, oh, my God, like, 2005,
3: let's say, like, a million years ago, I worked on... One of the first features I worked on was a low-budget, schlocky, like, bad B movie. It was called Screech of the Decapitated, which nobody's seen. I
1: love that name, though. Oh, my
3: God. (laughs) It was... It was written by the guy who did *Lost Skeleton of Cadavra*, which have you seen *Lost Skeleton*?
1: I, I don't think so, but no, I, it I'm, sounds very familiar. Um,
3: uh, *Lost Skeleton* was uh, was written as a 1950s B movie, but shot in like 1999 or
1: so, and so I do know this movie. I have not seen yeah.
3: it. Yeah, so it's it's a really specific movie, but it, they. They play up the tropes, they play it straight, and they they make a 1950s movie with mo- with modern actors, modern from 20 years ago. Um, and so this guy had a second script. There's the same type of thing, Screech at the Decapitated, picked up by some other producer to make. And the director was like, oh, yeah, we're making a B movie. We're making a shitty movie. It doesn't matter. And so he would not be on set. He would not talk to the actors. He would just be like, yeah, just throw stuff. It's fine. Like, like continuity doesn't matter because it's supposed to be a bad movie and it just fell apart. And I I've always thought about that, especially when we're going into to making this, like it's a lit Tom, uh love of the time of monsters is a very specific kind of movie, but uh, but it was important to me to, to not, not let it spin too far out into the realm of, of farce. Cause once it got that far out, then it wouldn't be, wouldn't be anything uh and i remember it like i had a couple of talks with like uh you know different department heads about about that about like what it was like you know because they'd be like oh it it doesn't matter if, if this thing is flimsy or, or lame because the whole thing is lame i'm like no no we got to make it like like yeah everything's lame but it's got to be we have to have the discipline making it so we can make this joke later yeah, it's a really complicated thing to do and to explain because <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this mutated duck seriously for two seconds. Yeah, I get it. It's gonna <laughs> kill you gonna, it's gonna,
2: yeah, yeah. But if you, if you do your job right, you like you can sell that and it makes sense for the story and it elevates gotcha. the film. And so and like by the time it got to that, it, it sold me on the film. I would have to say when I first saw it, when I was first watching it, like I really like the Paul Bunyan kill. And yeah. I, I was hoping for like a reaction shot and I was like, it didn't happen. I was like, Oh, but that's a cool kill. I wish there was a reaction shot and some gore. Um, and then, you know, the story played out and I was like, Oh, you know, this is, this is like is a B movie. And I, at first I kind of didn't get it. Yeah. And then it started winning me over. And the particular person that won me over is actually uh Hugo Armstrong. Uh, oh yeah. The, his performance is really great. And he <laughs> I have so many questions about that actor. <laughs> the movie that it really like brought me in and I like got it and I was sold. And I was sold all the way from like the midpoint like sure. when he gets to, Car- where Carla shows up at his house and they have that exchange in, in the yeah. cabin from there onwards and I was like totally sold and I'd like really enjoyed it so much more but uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's like all the moments that you do you can sell it as long as it makes sense with the story, like the characters. You actually really care about the characters. You can pretty much do anything as long as because you have that your audience's attention at that point.
1: Right. Yeah. No. Totally. I. So before we jump into like doing like the synopsis and us talking about the film, I wanted to ask that question, especially like talking about like the whole groundingness of it because it is. It's so hard when you do a a comedy horror film because you, there are so many different realms that you can hit into it, which is. Um, you have parody, you have just a self aware film that wants to have comedy into it, and then you just have a comedy horror film where you just want there to be some horror elements into it, but also have fun with it. And that's what I love about horror because horror just has all these different genres within it where I don't think a lot of other genre films actually can do, in all honesty.
3: There's a lot of bandwidth in that in that horror space, and like once you tap into it, because I think that's that's the 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 threshold you have to cross over into. That's what the threshold I had to cross over because I was like, I remember being a kid and going to like yeah, the local video store and seeing seeing the the poster for House Two or that that Ghoulies oh, uh, the Ghoulies okay. poster with the the Ghoulie climbing climbing out of the toilet, yeah, being <laughs> freaked out. And I didn't want to touch it. And it wasn't until I was in college that I was like, Oh, I, yeah, I watched like a uh, nightmare. Uh, no, I watched, um, Night of the Living Dead and then, mm-hmm. you know, then started watching my Freddy movies and my Jason movies. I was like, Oh, I get this. And I saw Evil Dead too. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I get this. This is amazing. <laughs> and yeah. Cause you're right. Like there's this whole, this whole spectrum of what you can do with horror on a super serious, like, uh, like, um, midsummer style, like we're making elevated horror yada yadas or on the complete other side of we're making Teen Ape to keep picking on poor Teen Ape, but you know, like you can make that kind of, we're just two guys in our backyard and we're having a good time with it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Paul, Paul do you have any questions before we start talking about the synopsis of the film? Um,
2: did you by chance see suburban Sasquatch? Was that, did it influence you a little bit? No, wait, which is Suburban Sasquatch? It's uh, it's like a, uh, a it came out like 2004. It's a really low-budget, like, Sasquatch movie, but the, the thing that's mainly known for is, uh, so, like, whenever the Sasquatch attacks people, it makes this weird sound, and it's like, raw, raw, and it's like a really weird sound, but it, like, really sticks with you. And, like, huh. I actually found out about it from, I don't know if you're a, a fan of Red Letter Media. Sure, they yeah. Do, like, the thing called Best of the Worst. Yeah, they did a spotlight on that movie. And so watching <laughs> that episode, I watched clips of Suburban Sasquatch and it kind of, like, that sound effect kind of, like, stuck in my head. And then it just, like, there's little elements of, of um, Loving the Time of Monsters it kind of reminded me of Suburban Sasquatch. Sure. Like when the Sasquatch uh, attacks, like, the, you know, the, the villager or the, you know, the people in the, the town.
0: World.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, now, uh, so... Two two things. That Sasquatch sound, like the uh the boys, the mascot sounds, was mm-hmm. actually all uh Paul Aaliyah who played um one of the boys. And I forget which which boy he played, but he was uh he he mm-hmm. just started doing this vocal thing and I like later on I asked him about it or he told me or something, but he was doing a modified version of help me. Like he was just screeching, help me. And it was oh, wow. so rad and so cool and totally him because he was, he had just such a small part, but he put so much thought into his performance. It was ridiculous. He it was, it was so, so good. Um, but yeah, so I don't know where he got it from, but he was just trying to do this thing. And then the, the movie itself was uh, uh, Mike Scavarla who wrote it, came up with it in a dream, it was just like dreaming about Sasquatches and and, twin sisters and the whole thing and that's where that's where that came from so oh
2: nice yeah so a, when you're directing do you kind of work off the actor's instincts or do you kind of say like you know you kind of build a structure around them in terms of like directing like do you let them kind of do their own thing or you're all I, I i firmly
3: believe every time you're doing something creative that you you want to work with elevators uh like you want somebody who's going to take your idea and, and elevate it like get the concept of what you're doing and move it forward so like a good director should take it like a, a writer will write whatever they want on the page right and then the right director will see what's on the page and be like oh i get it i get how i can pull these themes out even if it's not the exact words even if we're going to change some stuff about it like i get how to pull this out and pull us pull us into reality and then you the director pulls it up a little bit and then the actors will look at it and be like, Oh, I see, I see what's happening. And then moment to moment they'll be like, Oh, what if I said this or what if I did that? And the, the director vision is the, the, the latticework that everyone's working off of. And so if they have something like, like, Oh, I should be, I should be super broad in this scene. And you're like, ah, no, you need to be more sincere, like do it. But if they, yeah. There, we did a couple of scenes and I can't remember it offhand, but there's a couple of those scenes where you're like, I came in with an idea. I was like, we should do it this way. And then once I saw the actors in it and saw how they were working, it I was like, ah, oh, this, this doesn't work. I need to move people around to make it make sense. And then once you, it's just a dialogue, like you've, you figure out yeah. kind of what the rhythm is and how everyone's feeling. Cause they're focused on their roles. And so you need to rely on them to know what they're doing And it's very much like, uh, it's creative empowerment. Like you should do in any, any situation Like you want, who's ever working with you to, to achieve your goal, but, but they're going to have a different take and they'll probably have a better idea than you did because you have all the baggage of everything that came beforehand and they're going to come in brand new.
1: Yeah. And they're kind of like bringing these characters to life.
3: Yeah.
2: That's awesome. I like that. that. Yeah. You know, it's a collaborative process and you like yeah work with the actor's instincts and you kind of bring the best pro- uh best version of the movie to the audience.
0: Like it's, Right. I,
2: I think that's great. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And it, yeah, it works And it. You really got to like it, it, it is, it's a tough ego thing to do because you have to be able to accept, you have to be able to accept that you don't have all the best ideas and that somebody else is going to have a better idea.
0: Uh-huh. And that
3: like, and then if you're on the lower end of that, so like, if you're the writer, you have to deal with the director taking things in a different direction than maybe you had initially thought. And then the actor taking it in another different direction. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that can suck. That can totally suck. And like, I get it. But like, it's all for the best,
1: you know? Um, so this film is about, uh, and I'm going to do this from memory, uh, because like, I don't, IMDb did not do a good job with the synopsis. Of this. So, the, <laughs> so the, so the film starts off as two sisters who are traveling over to this, uh, essential resort, uh, that is owned by a, not a Russian, but he, <laughs> he is a Croatian. Croatian. Croatian yeah. Run, run by a very Americanly loved Croatian. And within this, uh, that has a whole theme of Bigfoot and a little bit of mystery to it with the woods. And the Croatian owner, I don't, I'm not gonna call him Croatian owner anymore because that's gonna sound like, like I have something against Croatians. <laughs> but the, uh, but this owner who also, uh, has the love that is taken by the elderly man in the woods also allows people to dump terrible, terrible things in the water near the resort. That these men who are hired to be Bigfoot for the tours and also for the theme of the resort have become the monsters themselves. And the people inside must defend themselves with an Abe Lincoln doctor, scientist, and also a ragtag team of amazing horror cliches and tropes. And there is the, the synopsis, and I absolutely love it. In the film, you have mutated squirrels, fish, birds, and like ducks, and a moose. And even then, we have <laughs> a, a savior character that I will save until the end of the, or later on in the podcast. So, um, <laughs> how was that, Paul? How was that? How was the, How was my the synopsis reveal my No, how was my synopsis it's good. right there? It's good. Thank you.
2: When does Joe Zai come back again? I know, right? He's so
1: good at it. You're good. I know. But, I actually, um...
2: I actually wanted to point out one thing. I really like uh, Michael McShane's uh, performance as Slavko. I like how he has a commercial and it has like a whole bunch of American shit. Like, he's wearing an American yeah. hat and, like, you know, his flares and all that stuff. And it's like, it's such a, like, a,
1: so on point. I love, yeah. I was going to say, the commercial. I was going to say, it's scary. I have seen that commercial that was real and it scares me. Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you see some weird stuff, man. But yeah. And one thing about this film that I, I love so much are the horror tropes and how you tackle them. And as for my previous question about grounding, about, Making sure that the whole film is grounded and you know, at least believable. Because when you start breaking things in comedy too much in the audience, it's it's hard for people to believe what's happening and then even care. But you do right. it really I think you do it really well in this film. Uh what are some of the tropes though that that are your favorites that you got to kind of um mess with in this film? Oh my goodness. That's a that's a great question.
3: It's weird it's weird because I never really think about it in terms of of tropes and honestly half that stuff I put, put off on on uh Mike Scavarla. Yeah, because I was when we were doing notes on the script, I was just like, ah, we should do something like this and figure it out. Uh and Mike was great about it. Mike, I Mike
1: wrote a script that was like just leaping off the page. But I um
3: yeah, it's weird. I don't I don't think that way.
1: It makes sense and it's also kind of like a dive into it about the relationship between the writer and the director. Were there anything that was actually cut from this film? Yes.
3: There's a whole there's a whole little section in the middle that we couldn't shoot due to time. Uh where like there is a uh so if you remember, uh near the beginning of the movie when Jenna's at the uh or uh, Marla's at the uh at the bar and she's uh she turns around with her drinks she gets hit by somebody in a uh
1: a, in the little, uh, a little electric... The, yeah, the electric cart.
3: The little electric cart thing. Like hits her, and she spills all over her and it's like, Oh no. Uh, that was a character that was going to come back. There's this whole redneck family that was going to be, that was going to go out into the woods and get in a big fight with one of the kids and like do a whole thing, which is why at the end of the movie, when Slavko and um his wife, who's yeah. Slavko's wife, whose name escapes me. Oh, Mariana. Mariana. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank, thank you for actually watching the movie. Oh, yeah. Lord no. knows I can't. Uh, but yeah, Flavka Mariana, when they have their big confrontation, there's all this, like, shit strewn around that street. And all that shit was from that scene when when this redneck family was going to fight uh, these Bigfoot kids. And so we had it all planned out. We were going to do it. Uh and uh we had the the actors cast we had like guys coming in, it was gonna be great uh and then the last four days it rained so much that we couldn't we just ran out of time, and so we had to scuttle that and figure out a different way to like the the connecting bit it had was we electrified Lou in that scene, also that family, as they drove away called the cops, and so that's why the cops showed up at the end, so like we just had to figure out different ways to, to kind of do that. But that was the big, thi- the big, big thing that we cut.
1: And then everything else was just kind of, luckily it still works over the end because obviously when yeah cops don't hear from other cops, they go somewhere, that's not a good sign. So at least it right. works out in the end.
3: Yeah. So it was, it was okay. But yeah, it was, it was one of those like, Oh no, like, yeah, that, that was, that was a scene that we were all really excited to do. And, uh, then it just, it fell by the wayside. And it's probably just as well, uh, because, uh, we, we would have, it would have been such a crazy thing to, to figure out all the fight choreography and all that stuff. We, we, we shot that movie in, uh, 18 days in Northern, Northern California. Yeah. It was a crazy fast shoot and so much going on that it was just,
0: yeah.
1: That's the one thing about this film. It just keeps going and going. And I love yeah. it so much. But yeah. Paul, what about you? Actually, because, you know, this is more of a discussion podcast as well. I'm so grateful for you to be here, Matt. Like, Paul, what are some of, of your favorite, like, tropes in, in these kind of horror films?
2: Um, I just like the gore. Like, uh,
1: <laughs> the, uh, Yeah,
2: I like when the cop gets, gets thrown up on in his face. He's like, oh! Ah! And then uh, when Dan... Um, it, you know actually it's funny because the character dan I, I don't remember the actual name but he's actually like tom green's voice twin and for a second i thought you <laughs> had tom green in the movie and i was like so confused but every time we talk, and then when he got i was like kind of bummed out when he got killed by the moose when he's like yeah. running and then always got like, gored by the moose so i'm like as far as horror horror films i really like the gore and like the schlock and so i wish i could talk about the and that's Alex Sandborn. He's a
1: fantastic actor, by the way.
2: Uh, yeah, I love, I love Alex so much.
3: And I uh, another one of those guys. I just, I want him to get huge because he's, he's really funny. He a lot of those lines where I was just like, Alex, give me something for ten seconds as you walk backwards, and he was like, all right. And so he just like spit out stuff.
2: He it was fantastic. Great. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Paul. Um, oh yeah, I just, I just like in terms of the moves, they're like pure luck, and i really particularly like the ending uh you know which will i guess well yeah i know we're for sure. foreshadowing it yeah but i really that i was like as soon as that happens like this this is fucking great i <laughs> i love that and so yeah I it was spoiling more than that but uh i love that i love how like doug, doug jones like he walks in and he's like dish, dish. but he does like he introduced him twice that way He's just like yeah. wearing a Lincoln hat and he's like, and then he pulls a projector up <laughs> and you like you, it's like you allude to having scenes with him that he's going to explain, like do exposition, but then you don't. And you go to something else and then does, does exposition like way later. And then I like that subversion that you yeah. did that. Um, yeah. I just, I just really, as far as I like the, 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 you know, off kilter characters, um, and I really like, yeah, the gore and schlock. So those are yeah, the main oh threads that yeah.
1: and I think
2: you did really well in all of those things.
1: I, I, I fully agree. And also, like, I have a question on that. and It's even written on my document. Like, is Doug Jones a good beatboxer? And is that something that the world should know about? Uh,
3: listen, that man can do everything. That's I would not surprise me if he, <laughs> if he was. We're just like, hey, Doug, do this. And he's like, all right. And then he just, like, he nailed it. So I, I never asked him directly. But it would not surprise me if he was, or if he wasn't, he would pick it up in like two days.
1: I, I have a feeling he he he's been in a couple of underground uh, beatboxing champion or uh you know, yeah uh, contests.
3: He, he has excellent body control, so I'm sure like
1: he's like, oh yeah, I can I can rip it at whatever you want. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you want, yeah, what do you want? You want Daft Punk? You want like you're like, oh man, I yeah. don't even know Sandstorm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. So I was wondering. So
2: there's a scene where uh you know they're having they're having a show at. Okay so uh Carla meets up with her boyfriend Johnny yeah or and then no she's on on the car yep. Johnny yep. walks up and then the, she the himself, and he me. runs away and then it's the day and then you you go you cut to um, Armando with Marla and they're making out in the pantry and then you cut back to Carla and it's night and you keep it so it's go back and forth night and day was that intentional or was it a continuity well thing? it was
3: it was sun steady. <laughs> uh, I realize oh, okay.
2: this, is, this is the radio, and you can't see
3: my fingers. Uh, it was one of those. Uh, it is not necessarily a continuity fault. It was a yeah, just kind of how it worked. There's actually uh, there's a deleted scene of Marla getting drunk in the bar as it gets darker. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, okay. So like, it's structured in the script, I was. I think it was that she. She gets drunker, drunker and drunker, and and it gets darker and darker. And then you see the shit with Johnny, and then you see, uh, um, see the the Marla, uh, Armando makeout, and then you're back outside for the chase in the in the woods. And then it makes a little bit more sense that it's super dark. But yeah, okay. it, it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a, um, uh, a. <laughs> Bit Of a push it in happens. the edit, we're I just mean, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's fine,
2: yeah, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> and I really, uh, I, what cracked me up is the, the big Kuna dude, I don't know what his name was, oh, uh, Ben Palacios, yeah, and he yeah. was like going crazy with his eyebrows, and he kind of reminded me of like the Miyendes guy in the room a little bit, <laughs> when he was, like with Marla, and uh, yeah, it was cracking me up, yeah, I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm the big dude. you know, like, he was just kind of. It's very so animated so, it's
1: so good. Uh, while we're talking about like the creativity and also like about these characters as well i now like kind of going back to what we were talking about before you have unbelievable horror uh legends really uh with Doug Jones and Kane Hodder and uh, good you know, good job <laughs> thank you thank you but uh, and I, i'm proud of my I, boy he I know, finally I did it did it i did it pop um I've always been told that the indie horror industry—not even industry, but just basically that whole realm—is like a big family. A lot of people just know each other. Essentially, it's like a big family. What, what, what happens with the other cast that have never really done any indie horror movies, or at least nothing on the scale of this? What, what kind of influence do they have on the on those newcomers in the pro uh, on these projects?
3: I mean, they were they were great resources. Uh, um... What's it? Doug actually pulled Alex into creature work because he was like, "Yeah, Alex, you got this." Alex has such a weird body type because he's <laughs> he's tall. I'm six two, and he's like six four. Yeah, and his his shoulders are so broad, and his his waist is like small, like a jerk. Uh, <laughs> so he's he has just just this big lanky style, and Doug was like, "You know, you're you're good at this. You should be." You should try creature stuff. So he did creature stuff for a hot second, and was like, "This is this is the worst," and he hated it. But, but yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that little bit of that. But the problem with like Kane also brought on a lot of our Bigfoot kids, where he was like, "I worked with these guys in some other movie, and he brought them up to us because we were looking for guys who could do their own stunts and also give us some performance." And so there was there was that connection. But I think coming out of it, coming out of the other side, like. Uh, Jenna, Jenna does mainly commercials and stuff and was like trying to tap into a different market. Uh, uh, Marissa, Marissa was, uh, in a bunch of, um, like she was in a bunch of like, she was in like a slumber party massacre and a sleepover massacre or something like that style of stuff. And she was like, she was doing it. She was in Scream Queens, the TV show on VH1 a thousand years ago. Uh, and so she was Murphy. like,
0: yeah.
3: No, no, no. No, no, the VH1 show. Oh my God, there's a reality there's two, show. There's
0: two Screen queens. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So there's the scream queens season one oh, that, that was. It was. I didn't even know it that. Was, it was like ten actresses in a house trying to vie to become the next star of, uh, kind of, of the star horror. of the next Saw movie. Yeah. Oh no. So oh, season weird. one was. It was. Uh, it was an acting coach, uh, a host, and a director, and that first season was. Uh, um, oh, what's her face from Summer School and that
0: first Saw movie and The Blob? Uh, she was she's one of those '80s like soft,
3: soft I'm assuming it's like
2: David Swinton but
3: <laughs> not quite. <laughs> uh, but it was it was her and James Gunn in that first season.
1: James, which Gunn? Is, oh my god, James
3: Gunn. I yeah. love James Gunn. Uh, and so Marissa was on that season. I, I actually worked on season two. Season two was uh was a big downgrade to uh, Tim Sullivan, who directed 2001 Maniacs. I was a teenage werebear in uh in Chillerama, and Jamie King as the as the host.
1: Oh, Jamie King, she's what happened, yeah. Whatever happened to her? But yeah,
3: that's crazy. But anyway, so like like Marissa was was knocking on the door, and then like. Who knows? Uh you know, Ben is a Ben Palacios who played Big Kahuna is a is a more dramatic actor now. And he's in a bunch of like his Instagram is full of him shirtless and forms of naked, which is listen, I am I'm pretty straight, but he is a real good looking dude. He's a gorgeous oh, man, absolutely. And some man. Yeah. Uh and uh and yeah, and then Hugo Hugo went on, he's doing like he was in a Denzel Washington movie. That guy. So like everyone kind of, I I had all these guys who were doing like, who were giving me real performances, but none of them are really interested in going that horror route. It seems. And so, yeah. What's too bad? But I, I just love that stuff. I just love that whole like yeah. industry. <laughs> but I you know, but I still like you meet. It's amazing how you meet, uh, people and you just make connections like. You know, my, my old roommate was part of uh Radio Silence for years and then he mm-hmm. he uh he left he left right before they made um uh uh Ready or not. So but you know Oh snap. yeah I went to so I went to That's I went to college right now two especially. Yeah. So like but those guys like those guys are great and they found a uh a, a family out there doing like just being out there and, and making stuff, you meet people. When we were doing the festival circuit, we met a bunch of people. I met a guy who actually made a different version of Love in the Time of Monsters uh, called Stomping Ground. We joke, like we became friends, like I'll text him every once in a while just to see what's going on, but it's, it was a a movie about a relationship kind of coming together under the shadow of Bigfoot. It's a, it's a mumblecore movie of Love in the Time of Monsters. Uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, I I actually yeah. I actually I have a question more about like on on the Bigfoot thing. Every single you know of these big horror movies of, of this caliber always has like that mask and that and those the iconic that iconic character or persona. I you know what is it with Bigfoot and 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 the writer like it, is he just love Bigfoot and then what what how do you feel about Bigfoot? Oh, I I think Bigfoot is Bigfoot is like the greatest american myth
3: you know the idea the idea of the spirit of the woods is just out there waiting for you to come say hi and it's like you know if you intrude too far he'll push back like it's it's the american west man it's the frontier it's uh it's this beautiful mystery if it's real if it's not real like it's probably not real probably not real <laughs> but but you know, I I love I love the different varieties of Bigfoot. You know, Bigfoot or swamp ape or skunk ape or um, uh, there's another one in the south. But like, like they're everywhere, and it's it's amazing, and I love it so much. And
1: uh, in the south, we call him Ted Cruz. But <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, <laughs> you're welcome, Paul. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, uh,
3: yeah. So I. I love the idea of Bigfoot. And then, uh, uh, I actually, I don't know why Mike, uh, landed on Bigfoot as, as the monster, but there's, there's just something about Bigfoot that is, that is fun. And at the time was very underserved. Like I think now there's a lot of like, uh, uh, Sasquatch media out there. But at the time it was like, it was like right on the, right on the rising wave of like, we're doing finding Bigfoot maybe. And like that kind of
1: stuff was out there. But you didn't see a lot of Bigfoot. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Do you prefer? Uh, do you prefer the name Bigfoot or Sasquatch? What do you prefer? Oh,
3: I like Bigfoot because it's easier to say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I, what I really
2: enjoyed is that there's a subtle layer of like Americana. Like you have yeah. the Great Family Trip. You, you know, you have the road trip, the great outdoors, the lodge. You have uh, Bigfoot. You have Paul Bunyan. Uh, you have like the the marketing hype of America, like the In your like the flag and the flares, like with Slavko's commercial, sure. Um, You have uh, like the
3: picnic, sure. Like capitalism ruining the 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 uh, the environment,
2: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Like there's all these uh, this undercurrent of like Americana, which I really enjoy. That it's like all well thought out and subtle. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a subversion of the like the American dream in a way. Yeah, it became a nightmare because. Because of somebody being irresponsible with the environment, and yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of subtext there. I I enjoyed that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
1: Oh, first off, uh, I I know this is more on on the writing part of it, but I just also I want to give everybody on this team uh, props. I think you have given me him, the writer, and you have both given me one of my favorite lines of any horror film now, which is this. Oh my God, why am I forgetting the name? Anyway, uh, Gina's (laughs) character to Armando. Where she's just like, so this is your, this is your hunting ground. This is, uh, and customers are your prey. And he just goes, yeah. Like, I don't know what it <laughs> is. It was just <laughs> his delivery and like the most like just disregarding like honesty. That's just like a, like, I don't know what it was, but there's, yeah. just, there's this line of just her just calling out this guy and he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I, I think I, I think I paused it and, and like, like because like, I was watching it on YouTube, because it's available on YouTube right now. Uh, for one ninety nine for standard, two ninety nine for HD. By the way, which I'll say again later on. Um, but I went back and just said, wait, no, 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 I gotta watch that again. And I, I think I watched it like three or four times and laughed every single time. Brilliance, brilliance, uh, yeah, brilliant on Danny, Danny's delivery, like and like the writing and just like and you, like like just the frame of the scene too. Because it was just, yeah. it was just like, it was like one of those dramatic shots too, like over the shoulder ones too. And then just cut back to him. Yeah. <laughs> I I oh, so much. Well done. Thank you.
3: Yeah. No, Danny, like Danny totally nailed all that stuff. Like there's a couple of the roles that were so hard to find. And that role of Armando was one of them where I wanted somebody who was handsome enough to pull it off, but broad enough that you could buy the, rubbery nature of the world uh and sincere enough that you'd buy his sincere stuff so like you know we had a I had a couple of like really good actors come in who who could hit the dramatic part but i didn't think it hit the the broader parts and danny was just this perfect like has that that boy next door like looks like i, I think he's really handsome in a like a bright kind of way and he has these Big brown eyes, like he's great, uh, uh, and uh, and yeah, and could do could do the dismissive, like yeah, I I know what I look like, I can do this, but then it could also get sad later on,
1: and I'm like, oh yeah, I can see the the <laughs> sweetheart, at him, Paul, what um, were some of your favorite lines or moments? Um, I,
2: hmm, I, I like that, that that scene between uh, Chester and Mariana. Uh, they were kind of reminiscing about their relationship that kind of fell apart. Yeah, you know yeah. it's that moment of humanity that kind of like brought the movie together. And yeah, you know I like that moment. Um, I really like uh, the ending, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> I um, love these deep teases to the end of the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. it's I was like, because I had a visceral reaction when I saw that. I was like, what? <laughs> yes, like, yeah. I was really excited when I saw that. Um, and yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised when that, when that happened. Um, so yeah, we, I, I know we're teasing it so much. Like yeah. we're
1: teasing the thread, uh, we gotta be, you know, we gotta be good yeah. podcasters, you know, we just gotta like yeah. hook them in.
2: Well, yeah, we gotta, tease yeah. we gotta make sure they listen to the whole thing. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad,
3: I'm glad you like the, uh, while well, you're thinking, I'm glad you like the, uh, the, the Chester Mariana stuff because, that to me that to me was the center of the whole movie like it all like started with them like there's a there's shots in that movie like when the whole cast comes together there it's a it's an over the shoulder shot but the over the shoulder is over chester's shoulder looking at mariana and then over mariana's mm-hmm. shoulder looking at chester because like that's the love story of the whole thing like like they're an older version of Johnny and uh Johnny and uh, uh Carla and Carla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and like they're they're what could happen, they're what should happen. It was like it was all there. And so like that scene that scene in that kitchen was so weird because it's it's a it ends with a grenade being placed on the counter, right? And so it's it's ridiculous. But there's a moment in there that's, that's really sweet. That's like, Hey, you know, we're talking about stuff. We're talking about feelings and, and, uh, and talking about our, our connection and the the mistakes we made that like, yeah, that had to land to make everything work because yeah. then you buy it. And I think, I think even we had a, and I forget if it's still in there, but I really had to play with Carla. Uh, uh, Carla uh, Carl had a line right after that, that I had to like, Play with in the edit because it it just it was totally like it was such a real delicate balance and tone And like that grenade comes down you're like okay all right we're back to the movie now let's go yeah. and but and you know then, it's
2: yeah it it sold me like I was like yeah. cool it's a grenade like I I believed it I believe the scene and it, it 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 I I feel like that scene elevated the movie sure. you know sure. because it gave that 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 heart. You know that and uh and I guess we're going to spoilers, but like yeah, when Chester dies, I was like really upset. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's even yeah. Like the piranhas, you know, have Mariana so affected by it. and then um I think uh who was Armando's like, Oh, we need to chop up the body, they get infected and oh, yeah. man, Mar- 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 if, and you know, like I, I really yeah, just that, that scene really it, it, it landed. It really landed the film. Armando so well. is definitely yeah, and...
1: the voice of reason in this film, and I loved it. I live for it. Yeah. <laughs> that
3: was yeah. you know, when you're talking about tropes, that was that was Mike's thing about about Armando. Like he, he was tired of watching these movies where the act where the characters would just not realize the gravity of what was around them. Yeah. <laughs> and so so he just... so he wrote Armando to be that voice piece of like yeah, no, cut up the body because it'll turn into a monster. Yeah, I, like I, yeah.
1: I I just love like when, uh, especially like when they're talking because there's th- at the beginning of the movie somebody's talking about like where's Armando, like where is he? He's always late and all this other stuff. And you just expect like this, th- like this dumb, you know, this dumb guy who's just always late to everything. And then you see him and he's just this gorgeous, muscly man, and you're just like oh, he's just gonna be this big old idiot. And the entire film. And like and like I said before, like his delivery on things are just so great. Where he just like, yeah, we gotta cut this body, and they're like, no, I loved him. He's like, yeah, but he's dead and he's got bit. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs>
2: no. And what? I, and one thing that I really I, I thought was because if we're gonna take the, the Night of Living Dead kind of framework, um, I like how you know there's like two opposing characters. Like, I I've, I've, I'm forgetting the name, but you know, one wants to stay in the house oh, and barricade. And then yeah. the other one wants to go in the, um, in the cellar, you know, with his daughter. Yeah, and, yeah. and so they're like always opposing always opposing forces. And the interesting thing is that really like Marla and um, Armando are those opposing forces. And in fact, you use that as a framework to like create a relationship that they have that shared, uh, that shared trauma and they, they, they become closer because of it. And I think that's interesting that you, subvert that Night living dead dynamic you know sure. like you make sure. it your own and i i I think that was great uh, well thank you yeah
3: <laughs> uh yeah like it was it was one of those things where it was it, everybody needed to like like uh what was it uh marla needed to learn to let go and uh armando needed to learn how to be more of an idiot like like uh i guess uh Marla needed to be more responsible and uh Armando needed to become more of a moron is is what it is. Like like she <laughs> needed to let she needed to to stop worrying about her sister and start worrying about herself. And Armando needed to stop worrying about himself and start worrying about other people.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Then, and then and then and then Ben's character just like wanted to be picked up by his mom. I mean his ride. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. I, I, I want to ask though, so like, when creating this movie, like, like you said, there was you, you guys had a little bit of time. There was some, there was some rain, and I also noticed the rain at the, at the end of the movie with a big fight. Um, uh, what, were there any deaths that you wish that you could add to this film that maybe like with budget or time that you just couldn't do, like just, just like an, an epic, epic. Uh, what are those movies? What are those movies called? Um, where like something happens Epics- what? Oh. <laughs> well, no, like, um, why, What is going on with me today? What are, those, what are those movies where like everybody like something bad happens and then Final Destination, like a Final Destination oh. death?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a big, like a big choreograph thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There is like, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm very proud of the movie as it is. And it is a testament to like doing stuff, but holy shit. Like, if we had double the amount of time that we could make every every scene bigger and like and, and just like really give it the texture it needed. Um the um in terms of like in terms of, of deaths that I could I wish I could have blown out a little bit more, it'd be like I wish I could have done more with um Jade's death uh she gets killed by by Lou in the in a lake like we shot that we shot that at we had an hour to shoot it and it was like it was all crazy and i just i wish I could have done a little bit more with that and then also like
1: there was a lot of building for her character especially because she was like the strong, yeah she was a strong oh, yeah. She was awesome. like yeah she was yeah like, she was yeah. like she was like mama bear it was awesome yeah. yeah uh and uh
3: and then the big the big attack at uh at the the big kahuna party i wish i had more time to like get those little pieces of attack like just throwing l- random people getting hurt by stuff you know like just to really get the pandemonium but that was one of those things where like we we set up a crane which gives you a lot of production value but took fucking forever to set up um and uh and then yeah time just like Time evaporates, and before you know it, you're like, "Oh, uh, I guess we got to figure out a way to do this in three shots." Here we go! Bing, bing, bing! Here we go! <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's it's so funny because there there are there are a couple of movies that this reminds me of. Um, some of them are very great. Some of them are very polarizing, and some of them people just hate. Um, I, I definitely like. I think like Dale and uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is one of my favorite films. I love that. I love that movie, and. It, I, it really reminds me a lot of, of that. Like, and that's, I think it's that part of the comedy of the, of the horror that, that hits the hardest. Another movie that people just absolutely hate. I love the film personally. And I think there's actually the closest, uh, so for anybody who's listening, who are also wondering what this movie is like, I would actually compare this movie mostly to Club Dread from Broken Lizard. I personally absolutely love that film. I think it is hilarious. I think it is great. I don't know why people hate it so much. I love it to death. Um, have you ever heard of it or seen it? I, I've i heard of it because
3: I, you know, like most people, I saw Super Troopers when I was, when I saw Super Troopers. I was like, this is great. And then I went to go watch their other stuff. And I was like, oh, is hmm, not as great. Uh, well, and uh, I, and I never, uh, I, ne- I never saw Club uh, Dread. Like I. I saw, I saw. I think, Beer Fest. I watched half of, like, Slime and Salmon, and I was like, yeah, no, this, no.
1: Yeah, was, no. that one definitely was a hard watch. I, I loved Club Dread. I actually like it more than uh, than Super Troopers. What were you going to say, Paul?
2: Well, actually, I, I saw Club Dread, or, yeah, Club Dread uh, a couple years back, and I didn't really like it. And I
0: yeah, mostly fine.
2: forgot about it. And, um, yeah, I think your film is way better than Club Dread, by the way. <laughs> like, Club Dread is, is not... I'm surprised you brought it up, but it's like Club Good is not, not
1: great. Well, I mean, we always talk about things that, that we... I mean, what would you, what movie would you compare this film to? We always talk about this as well.
2: I mean, it felt like... uh, Yeah, I mean, it felt like like, like a Friday the 13th... Thir- like, a little bit like a tongue-in-cheek Friday the 13th. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it felt like an 80s movie, but a more modern 80s movie. Yeah. And it... Uh, and I think, like, the attention he gave to each of the characters... And the way the story played out is is way better. Like it had that, uh, yeah, it had that flavor of like an eighties movie, but it's like with a, a lot more attention to detail, and you like care about the characters. And I, um, as far as the uh, animals, oh, you know what? Actually, oh, the Crazies, that's what it reminded me of. The, the crazy- Romero movie. Yeah, yeah, and also the the, the more recent one with uh, Timothy Oliphant, because they have the same thing where they they have a small town, and then. In the woods, there's, uh, like, a, a, a nuclear reactor or something. There's, like, something in the ocean, or, I mean, in the lake, that, uh, uh, it, it like, turns people into crazy monsters and, like, killing each other. So it kind yeah. of reminds me a little bit of that, the crazy. Sure. But, like, with more a comedic tone.
1: You right. I was just saying that it reminds me of Club Dread, and it's in that same vein of the comedy, the slasher, the... Um, the resort. We're, we're, yeah, the resort, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of yeah. course, the you. resort. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of the, the, the being trapped and like the boss being, you know, a douchebag and making really poor decisions in a different, in a different light, in a different situation completely. I was just saying, like, for our listeners oh, who good. do want to watch this movie, if you have seen Club Dread and you liked it, I think you would really love this film as well. I love them both in different part, parts because one thing is Club Dread is a big budget film. That was a very expensive film for them to make. And and where this one is indie horror and it has the indie horror um like tonality and uh, and and everything. And that's what I love. I I would say I gravitate way more towards this film than I do Club Dread because I love indie horror so much more than than the big screen stuff. Sure. I think this I think there's more heart to your film. I think there's a lot more heart to to indie horror
3: thank you but yeah i think i think there's that when you're making uh an indie the only person you're answering to is yourself when you're making a, mm-hmm. a you know a studio picture like there's focus groups and like test screenings and things change not based on on what you want but on what what a test audience feels like maybe they want and you you lose what makes whatever your your thing is uh work. yeah so so absolutely like i'm i'm uh I'm soft on when it comes to like like pure uh like auteur vision. I think it needs to be tempered through other people. Um you know like like uh to use a Star Wars example, George Lucas needed a producer or a or an editor like Marsha Lucas to tell him that his ideas were good but he's got to make it exciting. That was better for the original trilogy than a uh, Rick McCallum, yes man, type on the prequels, who was like, Yeah, George, whatever you want. That's great. Let's add more action. It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. super amazing. Whatever you want, it's yeah. amazing. And yeah.
1: George desperately needed his wife back who saved Star Wars. I solely yeah. I think George's wife is the greatest thing that happened to film. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> say, But she's yeah. like, George, no, <laughs> yeah,
3: I see what you're going for. That's the thing, like, you, you want to bring people in who like see where you're going for, George, I see what you're going for wearing as hell like
2: let me <laughs> it I'll show you what's up yeah uh, I love the, um, the the old special features on the the Phantom Menace DVDs where it shows him and he's like oh it's like poetry it rhymes uh, yeah it might work and everybody's like oh uh, that wasn't really good but I guess it'll work because it's so connected we can't really edit it apart right and then every yeah I just that shit is fucking hilarious By the way, just
3: all these. You guys don't want me. I will go off on a rant about about the prequels, about (laughs) how about how there's a lot of stuff going on in those that people don't give it credit for. You know, you
1: might be the only person on the internet who didn't like the prequels. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I would love Uh, to have you on if you want to guess on when we start doing the prequel movies. Because man, yeah, man,
3: listen, I'm totally game. I, (laughs) I. I found a new appreciation for uh, Attack of the Clones, and I'm like, really? See, that's my yes, least,
1: that's my least favorite Star Wars film.
3: Uh, it's my second least favorite after because uh, Rise of Skywalker was straight dude. garbage. Oh,
1: thank you. That, that's my second last yeah. least favorite because like, yeah. I, I, I think the memes of Rise of Skywalker makes it just a little bit better, but that's it.
3: Ugh, maybe. Like maybe I don't know.
1: I, yeah, yeah. I hate it. Oh man, and I, yeah. yeah. But I, I, you're also probably gonna hate me. But the last, the last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars film. Just saying. Oh no, it is
3: the best. It, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes! yes! Oh, yeah. I Found it.
1: I found. Um, I, found, I, found wow. I found it. Yes.
2: You say better Empire? Yes. Do you think? I
3: yes. mean, I mean, here's the thing: is that Empire is great. Empire is is supremely great. Uh, as a as a age and you think about the effect of Empire, like, Last Jedi is the answer to Empire. Where Empire is like, here's this great idea and we're going to set the standard. Last Jedi is like, yeah, that was the standard. we got to find a new standard. And it was like, yeah, it's trying to push everything forward and it's so gorgeous and brilliant and it's... Oh.
2: I love it so much. So here's, here's Paul thing. is fuming! Yeah. No, no, no. It's I, I don't want this to turn into like a you know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, right. We always you know, do it's a little inkling of Star
3: Wars that I gotta go. The
2: thing is, oh, I, I like Last Jedi when I first saw it I liked Last Jedi and I thought I was like, oh wow, it's Star Wars did something they didn't do the same shit. They did something different. They took the story in a different direction. And then Rise of Skywalker didn't do anything with that. They did they tried to appease both the people that didn't like it and the people that liked it yeah. and yeah. went middle of the road and did the least interesting path. So yeah. Rise of Skywalker ruins slash Jedi for me. That's how bad Rise of Skywalker is. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing. It's like – here. I know this is not like the common opinion to have on the internet or a podcast or anything, but I feel everybody's entitled to their opinion. You know, there's a difference oh, between – Hold on. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you just cancel the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like objectively as a film – you know empire is the best film objectively it's the well the best crafted movie but subjectively if last shot jedi is a film that speaks to you and you really enjoy it that is your favorite film so
1: subjectively to you it's the best star wars film and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I think this is a good time for us to uh
1: to thank our sponsor um Going, g- going, going back to to why Matt's here. Oh. Thank you so much, Matt. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yes. Well, Please finish. Please wait, finish wait.
3: Paul, you said that it reminded you of an '80s movie, and uh, thank you very much because that's exactly what we were going for. Was that like oh. that '80s oh. vibe? Because like so often in, I noticed nobody had cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had one at the very beginning, but but it didn't work. Oh, yeah, we the, were out of yeah, range. range when the phone call with the mom. Uh, but like with the mom, yeah. But it was very like um, I don't know, like not to sound like an old curmudgeon about movies nowadays, but <laughs> you know, there's a there's a polish to everything now. There's there's not that like kind of I don't want to say junky fun because that sounds like I'm insulting my own movie, but uh, not oh, quite. God. Like a like a like a DIYness. Like you can see the seams a little. Like we're we're having a good time. We're making a movie. We're taking it all seriously. Like please come along on the ride. But like
2: it doesn't need to be yeah, super like, slick. Yeah, there's like an authenticity there. You know, yeah. it's not like big production. Like here's millions of dollars on the screen, ships whizzing about, and you know what I mean. It's like there's a craftsmanship, like a handcrafted element yeah. to the movie, yeah. which I always appreciate. Yeah. And, and, yeah, there's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or cooking eggs.
0: uh...
3: (laughs) That's what happens when I cook eggs. Yeah. Exactly.
1: (laughs) I'm not allowed near the kitchen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But there's like Platinum Dune
3: remakes where all like super slick and you're missing, like, they focus so much on the, the, the radness of, uh Jason Voorhees murdering somebody that they forgot about like the kitschiness of the camp or the people there or, or all of that. Like they for, they forget about they forget about the best thing in, in Friday the thirteenth part four is uh Crispin Glover's dance. You know? <laughs> it's has this really goofy dance and it makes no sense and it's awesome. But you wouldn't see that in one of these new movies because you'd either have to be like super choreographed or everyone has to be like A freaking like cut model like you're not going to see a schlubby dude or like just kind of a randomly handsome guy like you get that stuff from your indie movies because we can't afford the models
1: exactly you only see you only see it from Jack Black and that's the same yeah
3: yeah (laughs) Uh, uh, and uh, and then also just to add to your guys's list uh, I would throw out one example one like like a movie that I had in mind when I was making this was, uh, "Night of the Creeps," from Fred Decker. Do you ever see "Night of the Creeps"? No, I
1: don't think so. Night I've of the heard
3: Creeps, of it,
2: but I haven't seen it though.
3: Uh, "Night of the Creeps" came out in like I don't know, let's say eighty six. Uh, it was the movie. No, it had to be like eighty three. Doesn't matter. Uh, it was the movie Fred Decker directed before he did. Um, uh, before he did Monster Squad, so I think he, yeah, oh, he wow. wrote,
0: Monster.
3: he wrote House. Made uh, Night of the Creeps and then made Monster Squad.
1: And then oh my when, god, I have seen this.
3: Yeah, yes. It's,
1: this is it's, some of the best deaths of of movies. I remember yeah. this now. Like, it is and like the little guys is, that come out of nowhere.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a wild <laughs> movie. It's a wild movie that has all these big ideas. It has zombies and aliens and like like weird creatures and. Uh, and it's all about this guy trying to ask this girl on a date has one of my favorite performances from, um, uh, from what's his face, uh, thrill me from Halloween three, Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins. Yeah. Like Tom Atkins is in that movie and he's awesome.
1: God, that guy's in everything. He's in all these horror movies. I love. Yeah. I love my bloody Uh, Valentine. I don't care what anybody says. I love my bloody Valentine 3d. (laughs) Um And, like, it gets, like, really sci-fi for, like, no reason whatsoever, and then it just keeps going, and, like, they just completely disregard, like, that entire thing. It actually reminds me of, like, in your film as well, and that actually makes a lot more sense, like, with Doug Jones, is like, when he's getting all scientific, and I love, I love the, I love the, not the vaccine, but, uh, that's not the proper word, but the antidote. I love the, like, like. Like I don't know why it also reminds me a little. Like how he's making it
2: in his office, like just (laughs) and his beakers and all the blue liquid, like moving around. Yeah, I don't. That's hilarious. So
1: good, standard lab equipment, guys. Yeah, Yeah. and it was and it was great comedy. And like you, you, you were kind of you almost got into the realm of of straight up parody, but you did a really great job of skewing it to where it is still. Like, like I was saying before, comparing it to what Club Dread does, they are obviously making fun of something, but it's not in a direct parody. I don't think. I I just think that there's a huge wall in between parody and just comedy and self awareness and self aware uh, uh, horror comedy. And I think you do such a great job to where it's just it's if you kind of go into parody, it. Uh, in a movie that is just a comedy and there's only one scene it could really to me at least take me out of the film and i think doug jones and i think you his performance and and you uh how you shot it and everything like that made it believable and again to use this word from before grounded
3: yeah 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 there's there's yeah and there's totally those moments where you could see like you feel it getting away uh there's a shot when the boys attack the 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 house like the middle of the movie the the boys attack the uh the lodge and uh they're they're on the outside reaching in the uh big kahuna and brandy are dancing um and uh lincoln is is being a dj and so he's he's (laughs) on the he's doing this dj thing and i remember we set him up and we did one shot of it we took one shot and i was watching it on the monitor and i was like Oh, no, this is way too far. This is it. Like, no, no, we're no, we need to, we'll finish shooting because we set it up and like everyone's excited about it, but make a note. We will never use this in the movie because yeah, it was just, it was like that bridge too far where all of a sudden we dipped into parody and I was like, yeah, it's going to like, it changes the vibe of everything. Yeah. You really got to escape that out of it. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I only have two questions, and they're both silly questions. Um Paul, do you have anything before we carry on?
2: No. No, okay. go
1: ahead. Okay, now we can finally talk about it. The big reveal, the big thing we've been teasing this whole time, in this movie, the Bigfoot actually shows up—the real, real Bigfoot in real life. I don't know That's how true. you guys tracked him down and got him in the movie, but man, no, um, his
3: his agent, his agent was a real monster. I but bet he figured it out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know the Yeti. He's he's, not, yeah. he's you know he's uh, Ted Cruz. You know he's really hard yeah. to work with. Uh, um, no, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I love the fact that, that he comes in and, and just absolutely saves the day. And it really, the first thing that I popped into my head was just like, you know, so many movies could be saved by Bigfoot coming in and saving the day. What if, <laughs> for both of you guys, uh, you know, and I, I'll answer the question as well. What movie would you want Bigfoot to just show up in and just save the day?
3: Uh, Last Jedi,
1: obviously. <laughs> That's <is so laughs> It just grabs Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: Chewbacca's like, "Who the hell is that? Yeah, what what he, the he, hell? He, Yeah, he's hot." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I mean, I think I think Bigfoot adds to any movie. Yeah. You put him at the end of "Say Anything," and it totally changes the context and it makes it a much better movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Legally blind. I mean, just like what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah. He just he just grabs uh Victor Gaber and just like throws him off of a bridge and just walks <laughs> and, just, and just walks back. <laughs> Um, I would put him in at the end of Lord of the Rings, like right, right after like Frodo's fight with with Gollum and his Sam's there, and he just picks both of them up and just throws them.
2: He'd show up as one of the eagles that carries them. <laughs> he's, just on, <laughs> he's just on the eagle. Yeah, he's oh just doing this God. flying. Yeah. over there, and he grabs them with his. With his <laughs>
1: oh, God, I love it so. So I, uh, I I don't know. Uh I don't know if I could beat
2: any of those answers, but uh, I'll say Mad Max Fury Road. I think that'd be <laughs> really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I like your answers though. I can't really top that.
1: And, <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my god. Or just, just, just the end the end of Avengers. You just see Nick Fury and he's like, I hear it was oh, like we yeah. We finally found you. Are you are you joining? <laughs> the Hulk Hulk is just looking terrified, like, oh, get that thing away from me. Like, no.
2: (laughs) In the portal scene, he just, like, pops out one of the the portals in the background.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He's actually in that scene. Black Widow falls in love with him for no reason whatsoever in the sequel. All right. right, right. Um, I love it. Thank you guys for your answers. I think, I think that's fantastic. You know, I was wondering, um,
2: I feel that I feel like, like with the Bloomhouse movies, I think that would work like your sensibility would work really well with like Bloomhouse. Have you contacted <laughs> them or about working with them or something like that? It, like, I mean, I mean, yeah, totally.
3: Nobody's taking my calls, but yeah, no, I like, I've been, uh, it was funny. It was funny. The biggest lesson I had uh, coming out of making the movie, which is one of those things that they don't, there's, Sorry, there's so much they don't teach you about what happens after you make a movie because, uh, yeah, I don't know about you or, or anybody else, but yeah, when I was in film school, it was all about like, make a movie, yeah, sell it, repeat, you know? And yeah. You're like, you're like, okay, great, let's do it. So I made the movie and I was like, hey, everybody, here it is. Come and get it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And like, uh, and I went to, uh, I remember, I remember I had a meeting with a, with a manager and I was like, uh, I was like, Hey man, like, great to meet you. He's like, cool. What else would you get lined up? I was like, nothing. Cause I don't write, give me a script. And he's like, yeah, I got nothing for you. Get out of here until you have a script. I was like, Fack. uh, and so, yeah, so, you know, so since then I've, just, I've, I got really into writing. I've been writing a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, uh, oh. yeah, like. Trying to find that thing that I can make that you know, because the best way to get on, say, Bloomhouse's radar is to do something. That's that's the big lesson. It's like nobody cares. Nobody cares who you are, what you've done, unless you're actively doing it and then delivering it to them. So if you guys know Bloomhouse, please let him know that I'm I'm available for his calls.
2: But yeah, yeah, yeah I, just, I think you would fit perfectly within like Bloomhouse. Sure. I think that would work really well. Well, that and- Bloomhouse model is so like. I don't
3: understand why nobody else does it where it's like, Hey, we're going to use our infrastructure to knock down the, the overall cost of making the movie. And then we're going to give you just kind of a nose strings attached amount of money to go make a movie, make it good. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what we can do with it. Ugh. You know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, ugh,
1: ugh, frustrating Matt, this I, industry, oh. man. I know. Right. <laughs> right. I know it's crazy. Um, uh, Matt, my my last question for you is: I after this movie, I love Hugo Armstrong, and yeah. that that voice. Uh, and this is also for you, Paul, as well. If you can have, if you can have Hugo Armstrong read you a bedtime story, which one would it be? Ooh,
0: wow! Um,
1: his voice is so amazing. Yeah, is that his no, normal voice? A bedtime story. Uh, it's uh. He,
3: he put on a bit of a bit of a gravitas for us, which is yeah, but he is he is so, so, so good and so like casual about how good he is. Also also a giant. He is like six foot eight. He could.
2: Yeah. He's basically Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. I, I would say for me, goodnight moon. And I would like just like sink into his beard. Yeah. Like, it, like a beanbag chair to sink into his beard and just like the envelope by the coziness of his awesome beard. <laughs> and so, yeah. that
3: so uh, there's a, there's a story. So I have a two year old, two and a half year old now. So we're reading bedtime stories all the time. Uh, there's a book called Um uh, if I had a Griffin, that I think it would be great. It's all about a mm-hmm. little girl who gets a pet hamster and hates it. And then once she wants like, a mythological creature. And so it's has bounds for him to talk about griffins and hippogriffs and like do different voices and do different things. Like that's what I want from, from that voice is like sweet sultry talks about hippogriffs.
1: I see my, my answer is going to be, I mean, you know, maybe it's not like the greatest answer, but the giving tree just just, you know, and and, and hope I by, by the end of but it, you want to make it
3: sad we just weep at the end,
1: hopefully at the end of it, he's sobbing, I'm sobbing. And then we and then I just fall asleep. And then he's just and then he's just like, good night, sweet prince. And then just walks out. Or or he like or or he Bigfoots in Lord of the Rings and just flies out. Uh <laughs> but um Matt Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so Thank much you fun. so much for having me. I genuinely love your movie. I I think it's so much fun. It is just it is the most indie horror comedy horrorastic, horrorastic. That's Horatic, so yeah. horastic. all of it, all of the stuff. Horastic, I, know. Yeah. You know, I know, I know, I went a little too far Horatic.
2: with it. <laughs> um, it. It's fantastic. fantastic? <laughs>
1: it, it's so much fun. It is available on YouTube for a dollar ninety nine for standard, two ninety nine for for HD. Please support Matt because it's such a fun yeah. film and and it's a great, great cast. So it's a great yeah. cast. It's a hidden
2: gem. It's a hidden gem, yeah. and you know it. It'll surprise you, and it's it's you know it'll win you over. Just give it some time; it'll win you over. You know, it's a it's a nice film, and you know, like I honestly hope that you do connect with Jason Blumhouse. You know, because I think that'd be perfect. You know, that'd be perfect. You let's like tweet it sit right in there, yeah. And then we can yeah. say, hey, we, you know, we talked to Matt Jackson, and he made, <laughs> you know, <Heck> yeah. <gasps> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's. I'm gonna put. We're gonna put it out of the universe right now. We're gonna drop a sigil. I'm gonna set it on fire, or however you set do with, what you do with sigils. We'll put it out in the world and it'll work. Thank you so much, the smoke you guys. messages.
1: Thank, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you
2: for for joining us and taking the time to talk about loving the time of uh, monsters, and we so appreciate you. Yeah. So. Is there anything that you're
1: working on or anything that you want to plug in before we go? Uh,
2: you know, I I got nothing.
3: The pandemic's weird. I had some stuff that was like. I was gonna try to kick up, and you know, uh, it's a weird what a six-month uh, global pandemic does to your a productivity and b like the nature of the business. So just writing a lot, and like hopefully I can get something off the ground.
1: That's perfect. That's amazing. Twenty twenty
3: one, yeah. But I'll let you know. I'll keep you keep you posted. But I'm on, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, but I'm on the Twitter. You know, if if you ever want to see what I'm doing, and the platypus up robot, just you know retweeting stuff and uh, randomly giving deep thoughts about kids' TV shows. So there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's amazing.
1: Matt, you are phenomenal. Thank you so much. Uh, Paul, where can they find you?
2: Oh, I'm on Instagram. As Arcade Blackfire. Arcade uh, with a Y.
1: So. And uh, we know Josiah's not here, but you can still support him by going to his YouTube. Josiah is right. W-R-I-T-E. Check out his stuff. He's awesome. We miss him very much, but he'll be back on the next episode. Faux show. I Yeah, I did that. And uh again again um you know love, <laughs> love in the Time of Monsters is available on YouTube.
2: Talking about callbacks the I know, right? Show. Jesus yeah. Christ.
1: It's available it's available on YouTube on Amazon and uh I'm trying to remember what else it was.
3: Oh uh, iTunes, iTunes I believe.
1: Yeah.
3: iTunes Voodoo like the whole thing. You can even buy the DVD off the Amazon. Heck yeah. The, Do the it. The DVD has the DVD has uh a uh, commentary track. It has uh yeah you know, uh a uh, Behind the scenes, you can watch our behind behind the scenes stuff on on the YouTube. We have a YouTube uh, uh, page and all that stuff. You know, like it's a whole it's a whole package.
2: What's yeah. the
1: name of the channel?
2: Um, uh, Uncle you... uh, Uncle Slavka. Uh, oh, Uncle Slavka. Okay, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah,
1: I love it. <laughs> All the links will be in the article as always. Thank you for listening in. You can check out all of our shows and offerings on com. We can listen to all of our podcasts on any podcast apps. That's right. All eight are available on any podcast app. If you can't find us, you better let us know because I'm going to fix that real fast. You can also go to our YouTube. I stream on Twitch. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I'm still trying to f- figure out Twitter. And, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. The intro music and outro music has been, been provided by Carlisle Lorentz. Watch this movie. It's so much fun. Have a wonderful week. Wear a mask and GGG. <laughs> so
0: watch on the, show? the screen. I got some
1: Grand